0: Lord, may it be true. May we make less of ourselves and much more of you. May you have our attention, our effort to understand you and love you and obey you. Thank you, Lord, for all those who have gathered. Thank you for many also who have to be at home today. I pray that you'd bless them, comfort them, heal them according to their need. And thank you, Lord, that we can continue to gather and worship you as the spiritual family we are. Help me now, Lord, as I open your word. May it be clear so that you may be magnified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You'll need your Bible this morning. You'll need your Bible anytime you come to Crosspoint. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, there should be one near you. As the pandemic drags on and more and more people are sick, I know many of you are joining us online. Welcome you to get your Bible. And you can open it with me in Psalm 119 near the center of the Bible. Psalm chapter, or rather simply Psalm number 119. Uh, My wife and I have had the joy of raising two boys. Both of them uh, like to study. Both of them like to play sports. Really, they were were both athletes. And like all little boys and, and little girls, they had aspirations and dreams regarding their athleticism early on. And when one of them was in third grade, he was given an assignment in, here at Liberty Christian School to write a, role, a paper regarding his role model. And I thought that was a great assignment. Give a little boy to think of an adult that is accomplished, that has high character, that has been a blessing to others, write about it. I thought that will be a really good example. That'll be a good thing for us to discuss. And the day of the assignment came and went, so on the way home... When it dawned on me that the assignment was in the past, I said, by the way, who did you write that paper on? And he said, Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt, if you don't know, is a world-class sprinter, the fastest man in the world. And that surprised me. And I said, Usain Bolt, the Jamaican sprinter? "Uh Uh-huh. I said, okay, fair enough, but help me understand Your grandfather's a missionary, your other grandfather's a pastor, your dad's a pastor, you have some very accomplished women in this family, your uncle is a literal war hero, why did you choose Usain Bolt? He said, I want to be the fastest boy in the world. (laughs) And I, loving father that I am, said, it's never going to (laughs) happen. He said, what? I said, there's kids two years younger than you that are already faster than you. It's never going to happen. He's in third grade. I know, this is not great parenting. (laughs) And he said at that time, he was playing Little League and we had a little routine where we would race to the snack shop as soon as the game was over. And he said, I'm almost as fast as you. I said, exactly. That's the problem. (laughs) If you had any real talent in this area, you would already be faster than I am. He actually turned into a very fine athlete. He told me (laughs) into high school, whenever they would lose a tough game, two or three days later, when the sting went out, he said, you know, Dad, I think we could have pulled ahead if you wouldn't have killed my confidence when I was a third (laughs) grader." So believe me, he got more than his share back in my pettiness and smallness in telling him that his dreams would never be realized. The reason I'm telling you all this is because your spiritual potential in Christ, if you are a Christian, your spiritual potential in Christ has no ceiling. The reason my sons were limited as athletes is because I produced a significant portion of their genetic code. (laughs) I put a pretty low ceiling. My wife pushed it up, but I put a pretty low ceiling on how high they could jump, how far uh, or fast they could run and how much they could lift. They've gotten more than I ever thought possible out of what I contributed uh, to their capacity. But if you are in Christ, the Bible says if anyone is in Christ he is a, do you know the rest of this? He's a new creation. Jesus said you must be born again. First Peter chapter 2 says that like newborn babies we should desire the pure spiritual milk of the word so that by it we may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In other words You have unlimited spiritual potential if you are in Christ. And there's a danger here. If you are not yet a Christian, in other words, not by name, not by demographic designation, not the way you would answer a poll. If you have never truly turned away from yourself and your sin and entrusted yourself completely to Jesus... Believing and telling him that he alone can save you, and that you want his death on the cross and his resurrection to cover you and give you new life. If you have not decisively, actually, truly done that, this sermon will do you little good. Because this sermon and the next three weeks are about how Christians grow stronger spiritually. And the way to grow up into the fullness of your potential that God gave you when He made you a part of His family, when you were born again, if I can paint the word picture, your genetic physical capacity is very limited, your spiritual capacity is not. A.W. Tozier, a great pastor from a generation ago in Chicago, said this, It may be said without qualification that every man is as holy and as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. He may not be as full as he wishes he were, but he most certainly is as full as he wants to be. If you are truly in Christ... You can grow in your knowledge of God, you can grow into the character of Christ, your gifts are different and your gifts are limited by design, but your capacity to grow up into the fullness of who Jesus made you to be is literally unlimited and you are today largely like me a sum of the habits and commitments that have carried you this far. I joked at the Christmas Eve service that I had a New Year's resolution of losing 15 pounds, and I was very excited because I only had 20 to go. <laughs> how did that happen? How did that slide? How did that slide backward? It one cheeseburger at a time. Reaching for Doritos instead of lettuce. Reaching for cheesecake instead of protein. One decision at a time. You are largely the sum of the habits and the commitments that you've actually made. Not what you said you wanted to do or the person you wanted to be, but who you've actually been behaving as all of this time. So for four weeks, I'm just going to walk you, beginning today, I'm going to walk you through the well-known path towards spiritual strength and development. These ways are not unknown, they're just largely unused. And the first begins with hearing from God by reading your Bible. God gave you His Word in writing. The Bible you're holding is God's Word to you. So that you could meet with Him to grow by His love into the person He wants you to be. The reason we speak to people is to make ourselves understood. You may have noticed we especially delight and seek out opportunities to talk to people we love. We've just been through the Christmas season, maybe you had the awkward family member who only comes around at Christmas and nobody really wants them to be there, most of all you. And once the civilities are done you don't have much to say to each other because there's mistrust, there's anger, there's resentment. People who love each other seek each other out and speak to one another. That's why God spoke to you first through His word and then through His Son Jesus Christ the written word promising that the living word of God would come, that Jesus in the flesh would come to draw you by love into the family of God so that you could be the person the Father committed himself and Jesus died to make you that the Holy Spirit gave you the capacity to become the moment you trusted Jesus as Savior. God gave you his word in writing, in scripture, in the Bible you're holding so that you could meet with him. And hearing him through his word, hearing him explain life and himself and love and priorities and family and marriage and sex and money and sloth and laziness and sin and every other thing that exists in the world that either makes life flourish or makes life die, God meets with you and because he loves you by his love, he grows you through speaking to you into the person he wants you to be. Does any of this make sense so far? Jesus knew it well just before going to the cross. He prayed for the disciples standing around them, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Set them aside Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. His prayer specifically for his disciples was that God would increasingly set them apart, that's what it means to be sanctified. Set them more and more apart in the truth Which truth? How will we find truth? What is truth? Jesus says your what? Your word is truth. But we have some obstacles, you may have noticed. The first, and it's a 21st century crisis, the first obstacle is our short attention span. Have any of you noticed as I have that you find it harder to read than you used to? We have been acculturated and conditioned. Our brains are actually very good at doing what we repeatedly tell them to do, and we read, we live in a rapid fire, quick three, five second burst of information. The internet and smartphones and the 24-hour news cycle have all conditioned us to receive quick little bursts of input and then hunger for more and more. So sitting down and reading the Bible for 10 solid minutes without interruption for most of us now feels like a daunting task like a mountain to be climbed. <laughs> You're laughing because you know it's true. Your mind diverts itself to what else is happening, what am I missing, where am I going, what else is happening in the world? We have to deal with our short attention span if we are to grow in our loving relationship with God because how would you feel if the person who loves you most in the world were speaking, you were speaking to the person you most love in the world and they couldn't pay attention to you? Have you ever had the conversation where you're pouring your heart out to somebody and they keep checking their phone? That's the world we live in, and we have to deal with that obstacle. The second obstacle is this not understanding what you read. It's not very easy to grow in the knowledge of God if you don't understand what the Bible says. And the Bible is a book that clearly says what it means, but it's ancient. And it has poetry and history and prophecy and gospels and letters. It has all kinds of different information. It's just as much a library as it is a book. So if you don't understand what it says in the first place, between that and your short attention span, you'll just read for two minutes, say, I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't possibly see how this could help. You'll close your Bible and go back to Instagram or Facebook or email or whatever you do and the habit that could actually lead you to fullness and uh, growth in Christ will be delayed by another day. Does that sound familiar to anybody? This is the challenge we're living in. The third and perhaps the most pernicious, the most deadly obstacle is that we don't desire to hear from God at all. We just don't want to hear what God said. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2, Peter gives this strange instruction, desire like newborn infants, the pure milk of the word. He tells you to want scripture. Now how do you develop a want for something if you don't want it in the first place? He goes on to say, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Desire the pure milk of God's word like a little baby, Peter says, so that by it you may grow up into salvation. In other words, so that you may experience all that you were saved for. And you should do this if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So for you to desire the pure milk of the word, if you don't actually desire the word of God, you have to start engaging with it with understanding. And you have to give it just as much of your attention and just as much of yourself on a regular basis, I would say daily basis, if you can possibly manage it. Many can't, but it's just like eating. If you've ever missed an entire day of eating, do you then say, well, I didn't eat yesterday. I guess I won't eat today either. I guess I'll just give up on eating. Is that what you do? No, you set yourself to eating extra to make up for the meals you missed. So give as much of yourself attention to the word, and bit by bit, with things I'm going to show you now, increase your understanding of God, talk to your Father who's speaking to you in prayer, and say to Him, help me understand what you're saying here, help me understand how it applies to me, because God is actually speaking to you. Listen to 2 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. All of Scripture, your entire Bible, Paul says in his last letter to Timothy shortly before they killed him for his faith in Jesus, Paul said Scripture is breathed out by God. It's a very unique word. A lot of translations say inspired. That's not a bad translation, but it doesn't give you the real idea of what Paul is actually saying because we ourselves talk about being inspired. Well, I got inspired and we put in a new lawn. Paul's saying something much heavier, much higher, much better. Scripture, the sacred writings, the books that Timothy had grown up with in the Old Testament and the books that were being written in the lifetime of Paul, many of them by Paul, those writings were breathed out by God. Peter will explain that the Holy Spirit chose people and carried them along to give God's very thoughts and very words so that other people could understand who God is and what God wanted. When you open your Bible, it's as if you were face-to-face with God. And if God is speaking, of course that's profitable. There's benefit to you. And then he explains what kind of benefit. Look, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. There are four ways Paul lists here that the Scripture, the open Bible, benefits you. It teaches you, it reproves or rebukes you, it corrects you, and it trains you. Paul says that all of this is immensely practical. He says in verse 17 that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3 verse 17. The Bible is not merely aiming at intellectual knowledge. It is aiming at that. There are things that God definitively wants you to know. Never set aside in your reading of the Bible that it's all just a mind game, it's just filling up your mind. God absolutely and definitely wants to fill up your mind. In fact, your mind is being filled with something all the time. Maybe yourself, maybe TikTok, maybe sports, maybe trivia. Maybe stuff about work, maybe stuff about your family, and a whole stew of everything, but your mind is always being filled. God wants to fill your mind with His truth so that you, Paul says a man of God because he's speaking to Timothy, it's true obviously for all of God's children, man and women, so that you may be complete, equipped for what kind of good work? Every good work. It puts me in mind of first responders who show up to the scene of the call ready to do anything that the situation requires. You can be equipped in this life for every good work. The blessing of the Bible is that Scripture puts you face to face to hear God speak. Let's go through those words so that you can appreciate its benefit. When Paul says that the scripture is profitable for teaching, what he means is it's the whole curriculum for life as God wants it. The word he chose there is a complete, inclusive word. He says, Timothy, when you open scripture, everything that is essential to the spiritual life, everything you need to know about the world as God made it and life the way God wants it, it's all in scripture. But then there's three words that build on each other. It says rebuking. That means that the Bible exposes what's wrong. Have you ever been stung by your Bible reading? Ever straighten up, suck your breath in a little bit, said, oh man, that one's for me. i got to get it together. i got to turn around. That's rebuking or reproving. It means exposing what's wrong. Then it says correcting. And that word means that God's word puts things where they actually belong. After that, he says, training in righteousness. In other words, it instructs you in right living. Notice how complete this verse is. The claim is that the Scripture tells you all you actually need to know about a life that is pleasing to God, a blessing to others. The life as God wanted it to be. And because of that, it will, by steps, show you what's wrong, put things where they should be, and then positively train you and strengthen you so that you can live the life that God wants you to have and be equipped for every good work. Told you the story before, but when I was in high school I had a very bad fracture of my left leg. By the time I got medical attention and they realized that a surgery would be required, a skilled surgeon and an anesthesiologist put me completely under. He took the scalpel, skillfully opened up the leg, found the shattered bone, put things back where they should be, and six weeks later I began physical therapy to make that leg, which was now shriveled and could barely support me on my left side, make it into a strong limb. Again, that's exactly what the Bible does. It enters into your life, it incisively shows you where you're wrong. If you will further submit to God's understanding and to God's knowledge, it will put things where they should be. And then... It will strengthen you for the way you always should have been. Let me show you a few benefits of God's Word in the portion of the Bible dedicated entirely to God's Word. Look with me please in Psalm chapter 119. If we consider Psalms chapters, this is the longest chapter of the Bible by far. It is a long prayer and meditation on the Word of God itself. I can't show you all of it. It is nearly 200 verses long, and that's on purpose. You'll notice that it has strange names above every stanza. Those are letters of the Hebrew alphabet because it's an acrostic. If we could read this in Hebrew, you would see that the initial lines all begin, beginning with the first and going on to the last. Every section, every stanza begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That's poetry, that's literary artistry to show you the completeness of the Word of God, to show you by poetic example that it addresses everything you could ever possibly want in life. And because it's so many verses, I can't show you all of it, but I'd like to show you some highlights of a few stanzas just so you can see what you're missing if you're not regularly uh, reading and understanding your Bible. Psalm 119 first of all tells us that The benefit of God's word is it will lead you and teach you and shape you into a life that is blessed, that is happy, that is fortunate. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Notice it's a whole life. It's a walk. It's not just a knowledge. It's not just a list. It's a life. all your commandments. Psalm 119 makes the big claim that the blessed life is straight ahead. If you will understand God's word and walk in it. A little further along in Psalm 119 verse 9 scripture tells you that the word of God will cleanse you from sin. The second benefit is cleansing from sin. Verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? It's a good question. It's an urgent question. Young people in this country and in the world are collapsing psychologically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. The pandemic has been exceedingly hard on everybody and particularly the young. They are beset and tempted by temptations that are within the reach of their smartphone in a way that no generation ever has been. How can they keep their way pure? How can anyone keep their way pure? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. If we will keep God's word, we'll be kept from sin. If we store God's word up in our heart, we will stay away from sin. Cleansing and prevention from sin are all found in God's word. Look down at verse 25. You may think, because that's America's promise, that the blessed life is a life free of pain. Americans in particular are routinely disappointed because as it turns out in spite of the promise of technology and ease and access and wealth life turns out to be pretty hard anyway. Have you noticed? It's hard for everybody. And if you don't really read the Bible you may come to the false conclusion and there's some preachers out there that are laboring hard to produce and project this lie that if you just do what God says you'll never be in any kind of pain. And then people do their best to trust the Lord and they encounter suffering and difficulty and death anyway and they're very disappointed with God. Where did that disappointment come from? Certainly not from Scripture. Scripture never promises to keep you from grief and pain and loss. It does promise that God will be beside you and comfort you in the loss that God knows sin always brings to the world because the world was wrecked by sin. Look in verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Wait a second, wasn't this supposed to be the blessed life? Yes. A word built in following the word of God will be as blessed, as happy, as fortunate, as carefree as life in the world wrecked by sin can be. And yet the experience of godly people on a regular basis is that their soul clings to the dust. So the psalmist says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. That's prayer. You get to talk back. That's what we'll talk about next week. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. What did he say? Strengthen me according to your word. God, I'm melting away with sorrow here. You come beside me and strengthen me. How will God do that? He will do that according to His word. If you don't know the truth, if you don't know His reality, if you don't know how to access Him in a practical manner, the strength, the blessing, the comfort of God will be hidden from you, not because it's not available, but because you are simply ignorant of it. It all starts right here, letting God speak first. Look over with me in verse 36. It says, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. This is 3,000 years old. Look how timely this is. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. 3,000 years ago, the psalmist prayed, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. What's God promising here? Not only comfort and grief, God is promising right priorities. The greatest frustration that most parents have as they try to raise their children is that their kids' priorities are disordered. They do not pursue what is true. They do not pursue what matters. Those who are older who have raised their children or never had them and are now full-grown adults realize often too late that they have succeeded all of their goals, but their goals were the wrong ones in the first place. They have given their life to things that in eternity do not matter. Someone said no one on their deathbed ever says, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. No one ever on their deathbed, if they have a clear view of eternity as they prepare for the moment of their death, will regret anything if they have ordered their priorities according to the life of God. Where do you find those priorities? You find them here. Look in verse 45 now. It says, I shall walk in a wide place for I have kept your precepts. And that's more poetry. I shall walk in a wide place for I have kept your precepts. You know, I'm not sure I understand what it means to walk in a wide place. And that's when you apply a good Bible study skill and you just read a different translation. I've been reading the English Standard Version of the Bible. Here's what the Christian Standard of the Bible says. I will walk freely in an open place because I study your precepts. What is the promise here? What is the prophet of the word of God in Psalm 119 verse 45? It's one of my favorites. What God is promising here is freedom. If you will study what God says and live according to it, you will walk about freely. You ever have the blessing of just sitting there and watching the police go by? If you've done nothing wrong, if you're sitting at Starbucks minding your own business, if there's no warrants and no shadiness in your past, you can just sit there and drink your coffee and if he lights somebody up with those famous red and blue lights, you can just laugh and say, ha ha, serves you right whoever you are, whatever you did, at least it's not me. Freedom. You ever discover on a road trip that you've gone out without your license or perhaps you forgot to register your car or pay your insurance? What does that do to the trip the moment you realize that? A sense of impending doom descends in the car. And then if they light you up, you go, oh man, here we go. It's going to be bad. The Bible says that any time God is obeyed, freedom comes. It's exactly the opposite of what our culture has said. Our culture has said if God is sought and obeyed, it will be restrictive. It'll ruin your life. It'll narrow your life and compress it to a point where you will no longer enjoy it. Nothing could be further from the truth. The truth is wherever God is obeyed, freedom is experienced. The psalmist poetically says it's like walking out in wide open spaces. I'm not walking on a girder 150 feet over the concrete. I don't have to watch my step, I've done what pleases the Lord I'm freed by it. Our culture by the way has compensated for the anarchy that we're currently living in because for decades Americans have been told culturally do whatever you want. You can be anything you want to be, do whatever you want, just follow your heart. Every Disney movie and about 330 million of us have been following our heart. Have you noticed the world that that has created? What if my heart tells me to be a selfish jerk? What if my heart tells me that you don't particularly matter? What if my heart tells me that in this case I'm entitled not to keep my word? That my vows, my promises, even my contracts don't matter. We're living through that right now. And our culture has compensated by it, for it. Men like retired military officer Jocko Willink, psychologist Jordan Peterson, and comedian and worldwide podcast phenomenon Joe Rogan are telling people how to live, sometimes very explicitly, rules for living. A retired Navy admiral gives a speech and says to make your bed, and it's a cultural phenomenon. Why? Because the chaos of everyone doing what they please has destroyed the world as we know it. So we're hungry for someone to tell us how to live. And you've got to be careful with that. With all due respects to Commander Willink, he's a warrior. That's what he is. He makes no reference, and I've read quite a bit of him. He makes no reference to God. Jordan Peterson is a psychologist who seems to be in search of God, but whose own private and personal life has been a painful disaster in the last few years. Joe Rogan, for all of his popularity, is someone who is notorious for getting high and using acid on a regular basis to have what he believes are spiritual and healing experiences. You have to be careful who you choose to tell you what the rules are. Wouldn't it be so much better to consult the God of the universe who made all of life? Everyone and everything in it? If you will do what he says, the word of God promises that you will have freedom. In my practical experience, none of us are perfectly free all the time, but in my practical experience I can tell you I have experienced the blessing of this verse precisely in the measure where I have chosen to obey God. I walk about in a wide place in the areas where I choose to obey Him. I experience oppression and constriction wherever I choose not to. You, for instance, obey God in your marriage and in the use of your sexuality, you'll be free there. You disregard what God says about money, you'll be enslaved and oppressed there. Wherever you choose to obey God, you will experience His freedom. Look with me now to Further along in Psalm 119 to verse 97. Oh how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. Here come an amazing list of promises. Look, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. In other words, the psalmist says, God, you've made me wiser, better, more understanding than all kinds of people. My enemies, my teachers, and people older than I am, I've gone ahead of all of them because I listen to you. It doesn't matter who your enemies are, if they don't walk with God, you can go past them. It doesn't matter who your teachers are. If God is your primary teacher, you can have more understanding than they do. It doesn't matter how old you are because the only thing worse than a young fool is an old fool. You can have more understanding than the aged, verse 100, because I keep your precepts. Look how practical this is. I hold my back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. What is the blessing, what is the profit, wisdom and guidance through all of life that will give you more insight than Those who could have taught you. who will give you more insight than people much older than you are. Who will make you wiser than people who hate you and have decided to hurt you, your enemies. A final benefit, verse 145. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. I love verse 151. But you are what? You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. The blessing of the word of God is that it brings God near to your experience. God is always near. God is everywhere. But you can pretend and act and have an experience as if God were not there if this book remains closed. These are some of the benefits of the Bible. Let me quickly show you some resources to overcome some of the obstacles we talked about earlier. Number one, read a translation of the Bible that you can read easily. I've been using the English Standard Version, but I read from three or four other translations. If I do not immediately understand what I'm reading in the ESV, reading a translation like the CSB will almost always clear it up. Here is the spectrum of Bible translations moving from word for word to thought for thought. Every translation. I speak two languages so I know a little bit about translating and interpreting. It's an art. The same person can translate the same document and it can come out a little bit differently depending on the translator's choices. There is wisdom and benefit in having several translations. I encourage you to read one that is as close as you can manage and understand that is word for word and then move across the spectrum to Bibles that are thought for thought to increase your understanding. If you read it in three or four reliable translations you'll have a really good idea of what that verse is saying whether you then understand it or or not. To help your understanding buy at least one good study Bible. And here are several. The CSB study Bible is my current favorite. I own all of these. I benefit from all of these. You're welcome to look at my collection. I've got a literal shelf of study Bibles. A hardcover study Bible will cost you $30 to $40. If you don't take it anywhere, it will last you for life even though it's not very well constructed. If you just move it from shelf to desk, from shelf to breakfast table every morning you will have it for the rest of your life. And committee's of chosen scholars from across the best week scholarship and pastoral thinking that we can find have dedicated usually years of study to concisely explain to you what a book is about, who wrote it, when it was written, what its purpose is, what kind of literature you're looking at. Because if you read a poem in the Psalms the same way you read the epistles of Paul you'll be lost. Grocery lists and love letters are both good things, but you don't want to read them as if they were the same thing. Does that make sense? (laughs) You will also find commentaries and Bible study helps. There are a few resources, they're all online, they're all free. The YouVersion app will put dozens of translations in your pocket. And fourthly, and this helps the attention span as much as anything, make sure that along with your Bible you have a notebook or a journal for study notes, for questions, for prayer requests, and for gratitude to God. If God gave you His Word to lovingly meet with you, to grow you into the person He wants you to be, what matters is making it to the meeting. If you meet only with Him in times of crisis... You will not be strengthened. You will not be blessed as if you habitually, in loving obedience to your Father, set out to meet with Him every day. On those occasions where life was hard or you were merely distracted and selfish and you didn't make the meeting, make the next one. Spend a little bit more time since you missed Him yesterday. Be open and honest with Him as you've heard the psalmist do in Psalm 119. And I promise you, if you will set yourself to this task of hearing God's Word and speaking back to Him in prayer, which we will address next week, in six weeks, in two months, in a year, you won't recognize yourself. Your mind, your confidence, your faith, your hope, your love, everything that God has placed in you through the new birth in Christ will have grown and you will have changed because you started meeting with the God who, in love and faithfulness, spoke to you before you ever turned to Him. Make the meeting. Let's pray. Christian, can I just give you a moment to talk to the God who gave you His word and tell Him that you're going to make the meeting? Maybe you'll start tonight. You could just pick up one, Psalm 119, and slowly read it all week. Underline the parts that bless you. Check the parts that make you question or wonder. But you'll make the meeting. And if you don't know Christ, this has been a sermon dedicated to people who already have life in Jesus. If you don't, please, by the grace of God, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, turn and be saved Stop putting yourself in charge of your life. It's not working and it's not going to work. Turn to Jesus and be saved. And if you already are, you're already following him. The path to commitment, the path to growth in God begins with letting him speak first. By hearing him, seeking him, studying him in his word. Jesus, start with me. May I be as diligent and as passionate in my private meetings with you, the Father, the Spirit, as I've been and explaining to others how they can do it. God help us make the meeting. teach us, correct us, put things in our lives where they should be. build those things up, Lord that are right, make us into the children Father you adopted into your family you destined us to be. let us be become begin, Lord, to become the people here on earth that we will someday be in heaven. I pray that in Jesus' name. And point said, amen. amen. As always, if you need prayer, there's some loving, sweet, kind people who love to pray for people right over here to my right by the cross. God bless you. Watch your email. I'm going to send resources out every week. Let's keep it practical. Let's start growing in the Lord together. God bless you. See you soon.